This is CSW's Free to Believe podcast. Christian Solidarity Worldwide stands with those facing injustice because of their religion or belief and advocates to defend, protect, and restore religious freedom worldwide. As the world tackles ever-worsening inequalities and rights violations, CSW's advocacy for the right to religious freedom is needed now more than ever. I'm Darren Abelpalker, a pastor and president of CSW USA, and with me today is Benedict Rogers. Ben is a human rights advocate and writer. He's the senior analyst for Asia at CSW, and he's been involved with CSW since 1994. He's the co-founder and chief executive of Hong Kong Watch, and his latest book is called The China Nexus, which deals with the human rights crisis across China. Ben resides in London, and that's where we're connecting today via Zoom. So, Ben, welcome, and thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. Yeah, excited that you're here. Uh, wish we could be doing this in person. I wish I could be with you in London right now instead of freezing cold Casper, Wyoming, but here we are. <laughs> well, having having been to Casper, Wyoming myself a long time ago, I, I would I would love to come back. So maybe <laughs> have, have a chance to meet one day hey, either in Casper or in London. You are always welcome. We are ready for you when you're here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Ben, so just tell us your story and how did you get involved with work at CSW? Well, I would say that my uh, involvement with CSW and indeed my uh, uh, calling uh, in the field of, of religious freedom and, and wider human rights uh, issues has been intertwined with my faith journey mm. from almost the very beginning. Um, so I became a Christian as a student at university in early 1994. And uh, about a, a month or two after that, um, I heard a, a, a speaker from CSW. Uh, it was actually uh, the amazing person, Baroness Caroline Cox, who mm. at that time was doing a lot of her work with CSW. Uh, and she's a incredible parliamentarian and, and human rights champion. And she came and spoke in my university chapel. Um, and I, I just had this sense when I was listening to her uh, and she was speaking about persecution in places like Sudan and Burma uh, and, and other places. I just had this overwhelming sense of of God just saying to me, um, don't just sit there and listen, uh, do something. Wow. Um, and I kind of felt it was almost as if the Holy Spirit was you know, poking me in the in the ribs and forcing me to pay attention. And um, so I went up to her afterwards and said, this is what I feel. And I then had a a. a an idea of uh, trying to hold a, a campaign on my university campus to raise both awareness and funds for uh, CSW. Um, and I did that. Um, and I ended up uh, a couple of months later, I, I wrote to Baroness Cox that night and said, I, I'd like to do this, this appeal on campus. Um, and she then said, well, come and come and meet me. And she introduced me to others in CSW. And I ended up going um, as I, I guess I was just about 20 years old, to war-torn uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, which mm. uh, I had never heard of at the time, and I wouldn't wouldn't blame any listener if they hadn't heard of it, but um, it, it was an enclave um, historically part of Armenia, but that Stalin had moved into Azerbaijan, and there was a war between Armenia and Azerbaijan. And uh, she invited me to come to this war zone with her and with US Congressman Frank Wolf, um, 
and a number of others. And that's really how my involvement began. Wow. So then what about your connection with Asia? So my connection with Asia started when I was 18 years old. So actually before I became a Christian and before I got involved in CSW, I um, decided to take a, a, a gap year, a, a year between high school and university. And I went off for six months to teach English in China, um, in the city of Qingdao on the East Coast. And I I made a lot of friends there. I had a lot of fun um, uh, and I fell in love with, with China, really. Um, and uh, continued um, after I did my undergraduate degree, I did a master's in China studies. I then moved out. My very first job in life was in Hong Kong. And I lived in Hong Kong the first five years after the handover from 1997 to 2002. And then from Hong Kong, I got involved in other parts of Asia, uh, Burma, um, East Timor, uh, which uh, uh, had just, um, well, w when I first got involved with East Timor, it was it was occupied by Indonesia. And then it, it had a, a very violent uh, and tragic, but ultimately hopeful uh, transition to, to freedom. Um, I got interested in North Korea, um, and then from there, I came back to the UK after five years in Hong Kong. And by that point, I um, I was even more deeply involved with CSW. I'd actually started CSW in Hong Kong mm. in my spare time. Um, <laughs> and and <laughs> I'd been working as a journalist full time. And um, But at the end of five years in Hong Kong and in journalism, I, I really felt called to start working for CSW full time. And not to give up my journalism, but to use my journalistic background to, sure. to write about the issues. And so I talked with CSW about what the possibilities were. Um, they actually first asked me to go out to Washington, D.C. Um, in about 2003 for uh, uh, just under a year to help uh, get CSW uh, USA going in, in Washington, D.C. And then I was offered a, jo a job back in London focused on Asia. And I worked over the years on on Pakistan, on Sri Lanka, Bangladesh. But really, the the, the core focuses for me were Burma, China, Indonesia, and North Korea. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a very big question now, uh, which is, can you give us an overview of CSW's work in Asia, kind of what's happening, if you can maybe highlight sort of a couple of the front burner issues that you all are working on? I mean, obviously, the region is massive. But what are, would you say, are there a few kind of key areas where you are centering your effort, energy and advocacy? Yeah, um, it's a it's a really important question. And as you say, it is a, a huge uh, question. And, and the challenges across the continent of Asia, from a, a freedom of religion or belief perspective are uh, wide-ranging and diverse, but I would say um, probably two key points I'd highlight. One is that there are currently two genocides uh, underway uh, in Asia. Mm. Um, the genocide of the Rohingya uh, people in Burma uh, and the genocide of the uh, Uyghur uh, people in China. And both of those genocides have been recognized by uh, the U.S. State Department uh, as genocide and by quite a number of experts and, and parliaments uh, around the world. Um, they both happen to be Muslim people, the Rohingyas mm. and the Uyghurs. But that's the first point. And I know that a lot goes into the, the, the term 
genocide. It carries a lot with there's a there are political ramifications and otherwise. So you you're saying that those actually have been labeled genocide. Well, they have been labeled genocide uh, by um, the U.S. State Department and by um, some other experts. Not everyone mm -hmm. uh, recognizes mm -hmm. them as genocide, mm -hmm. but but enough um, very credible uh, bodies and experts do. And as you say, genocide is not a term that we, we should ever use lightly right. um, because it, it does have a specific definition and, and it's a legal term. Mm -hmm. But uh, the U.S. government and others have recognized both these as genocide. And going back um, to an earlier conversation, you know, that I had with Merv uh, about freedom of religious belief for all that CSW advocates for that. You mentioned that these are two primarily Muslim groups. Right. And so can you just kind of give us an understanding of the importance of why Christians would advocate for these groups that are experiencing such intense persecution? Certainly. I, I think there are um, two or three key reasons why Christians should be speaking out on this. Um, I mean, firstly, uh, we have a moral, biblical responsibility to speak up against injustice and oppression. Uh, you know, it doesn't say in the Bible, speak only for the Christian oppressed. It says, <laughs> right. speak up for the oppressed. Sure. Um, and and so we have that biblical mandate. Um, I think as human beings, we we uh, these are not our brothers and sisters in Christ, but they are our, our brothers and sisters in humanity. Yes. Um, but then thirdly, uh, and a very important uh, reason is that um, actually, I think there's a self-interest in, in speaking out because in most places where, uh, for example, Muslims or, or people of any other uh, faith are persecuted, Christians are persecuted alongside them. And whilst in the case of the Rohingyas and the Uyghurs, Christians are not facing genocide in the way that they are, Christians certainly are facing severe persecution in Burma and in China. So I think, um, you know, it's in our interest to stand together and speak out against all these atrocities. Sure. So you mentioned then a key area is this issue of genocide with the Rohingya and the Uyghurs. Going back to looking generally at CSW's work in Asia, where are kind of some other hotspot issues that, that you're dealing with? So I think um, the second point I would make about uh, Asia is that um, Christians in particular and, and other uh, uh, religious groups um, are facing persecution from a whole range of of diverse directions. So whether it's uh, the um, uh, activities of extremist uh, Islam in in uh, Indonesia or in Pakistan or Afghanistan, uh, the rise of um, militant Buddhist nationalism in in Burma and Sri Lanka, uh, Hindu nationalism in India, uh, and then also authoritarian, uh, mostly communist uh, uh, dictatorships in North Korea, China. Uh, Vietnam and Laos. Um, so the, the 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 persecution is coming from such a range of of directions. But I think it's also um, pro probably China is one of the major areas of focus uh, for CSW in the region, both because of what's happening in China itself, but also because of uh, the influence of China on other countries in the region. And help us, Ben, just kind of. Uh bring it to our level of why we here in the U.S. or in the U.K. or in whatever country people are maybe listening that might not be experiencing this same level of oppression in our own countries. Why? I mean, it, 
it's kind of a silly question to ask, but why should we care? I mean, why does it matter? If, I know there's kind of an increasing, globally, there's sort of an increasing movement towards inward focused nationalism that just, you know, our country first and, and, and I understand some of the impetus behind that, but at the same time, we can lose sight of these global issues or just get overwhelmed with them and say, well, I, I, you know, what can I do? I'm just one person and we'll get there in terms of what can we do. But my first question is why should we care? Mm. So I think we should care for two reasons. Um, Just as I said a few moments ago, I, I think we have a moral biblical responsibility to care. There are so many uh, passages of scripture that uh, tell us to, um, uh, to speak out for our neighbor. And I think in this globalized world, our neighbor is not just uh, the person living next door to us. It's, it's our neighbor in, in humanity. Um, uh, in Proverbs, we're, we're told to uh, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. So very often people suffering persecution, uh, I mean, many of them do speak out for themselves very courageously, but of course it's very dangerous to do so. So they need our voices uh, to speak out for them. But I think there's also, a, again, a self-interest in doing so, because um, if you take two issues in Asia, one is um, the repression uh, and increasing aggression by China or by the Chinese Communist Party regime, that is coming to our uh, streets. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party regime is threatening our freedom in the United States and in the UK in a whole variety of, of ways. Um, uh and then secondly, uh, if you look at the uh, rise of uh, extremism, uh, particularly extremist uh, Islamism, um, obviously for many years that has been a, a challenge to our own freedoms as well as uh, taking the form of persecution in Asia. So um, we're, a, we're an interconnected world and what happens in Asia today affects us. Yeah, that, I was just thinking as you were talking, we really are, you know, it's it's been said and it can sometimes sound trite, but we are a global village and that there there isn't this sense of, well, that's just over there and it doesn't affect us because we literally are so interconnected now in, in our globalized world. And so just understanding these issues, the rise of extremism, repression, aggression, oppression, um, are issues that we must be concerned about on a human level, as you mentioned, on a Christian level, and then just realizing just that the impacts of, of what's happening in Asia do reverberate around the world. And just from an individual perspective, there's moms and dads and kids that this affects and, and to have to, to grow in that compassion. So one of the challenges is we have so much information coming at us on a daily basis in general, right? We're, we're, our phones are uh, queuing us with all kinds of news and information, and it's just easy to get lost. I think one of the biggest challenges in, in information overload is being detached from, from caring and, and compassion because we're just, we're overwhelmed. But what can people do that, that want to start caring, that want to start understanding what what are some next steps for those listening to help us wrap our minds around this and to become involved so i think um uh it's impossible for any one of us to take on the entire world um uh because there's just too much uh, going on and so i i think it's 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 important for people to ask god you know what uh burden uh, is mm. he putting on your heart 
Uh, and that might be a specific country. It might be a particular issue. It might be a, an individual uh, prisoner. Um, but find out sort of what your burden is uh, and then get informed uh, mm. about it. And CSW can, can provide information uh, both uh, in terms of um, being involved in advocacy, but also to inform prayer um, and and educate yourself and then educate others, uh, raise awareness, tell others. And um, and it can grow from from there. So reading your book is a great place to start. The China Nexus. <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm in that right now and have just really been enjoying your first person perspective on these global issues as they're taking place on this macro level. But to see it through your eyes and to see it unfolding, it just really personalizes it and helps to to um, does a great job laying out the issues. Your organization, Hong Kong Watch is another way perhaps that people can get involved, hongkongwatch.org. Can you tell us a little bit about Hong Kong Watch and, and what you're doing there? Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, I um, got involved in the, the situation in Hong Kong back in 2014, having lived there from 1997 to 2002. Uh, when I left in 2002, I kept in touch with friends there, but I wasn't involved in the political situation there, largely because it was generally quiet and calm and okay during those years. But in 2014, there were major protests uh, in Hong Kong, uh, and there was uh, the beginnings of a, a crackdown. And I saw this happening, and I realized that um, almost nobody here in London was really speaking out uh, about it. And I thought, well, as someone who began my career in, in Hong Kong, who's in the field of, of human rights, uh, I should do something. And so I started uh, again in my spare time. I was working at CSW full time. But in my spare time, I started to uh, write about Hong Kong and talk to members of parliament about Hong Kong and, and do what I could. I hosted a few Hong Kong activists when they came to London. And then by 2017, um, the situation in Hong Kong was deteriorating. Uh, but, al but also I was realizing that um, it was not sustainable to do this on my own, uh, in my spare time, with no organization uh, at all, um, I felt we really needed an organization. And so I came together with a few others, um, and we founded Hong Kong Watch. Initially, uh, I was um, doing what you do with CSW. I was chair of the of the board of, of trustees of Hong Kong Watch and working with CSW full time. But by 2020, again, it had grown. And um, I then moved uh, to uh, an almost full-time role with Hong Kong Watch, although I still work with CSW uh, uh, part-time. And Hong Kong Watch basically is for Hong Kong, in a sense, what CSW is for freedom of religion or belief. Mm. We um, we are a research and advocacy organization. We monitor the situation in Hong Kong, produce reports, talk to governments and parliamentarians and the media uh, not just in London, but around the world. We're quite active in Washington, D.C., uh, in Canada, in the European Union, United Nations. And I guess the only slight difference between Hong Kong Watch and CSW is that obviously CSW is a uh, overtly uh, faith-based organization. Hong Kong Watch um, is not an explicitly faith-based organization, and our staff and trustees come from a range of backgrounds. But obviously for me, um, my faith is is a big motivator in uh, in my passion for Hong Kong. Yeah. So hongkongwatch.org, people can go there, sign up, get updates. And what I love is, you know, we're fed a daily stream of news from the mainstream media. And, um, 
there there are some benefits to 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 the reporting that's happening to the global reporting but what i love about what you do and what csw does is it's 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 much more of a of a of a ground level you know on the ground grassroots approach and and view of of also what's taking place as these larger geopolitical situations are unfolding. And so I find it refreshing to get that perspective. And, and it also kind of leads into advocacy as well. And you mentioned CSW, that's that's who we are. CSWUSA.org is where people can go and find um, information by country, by region, by continent, um, or CSW.org.uk for those in the UK. And, and obviously we're connected. So no, those are great. So education is first. I think that would then move us into intercession, which is prayer. And, you know, when we say that, I, I'm a pastor, and I, you, it, I and I do it. It's, oh, yeah, we'll pray for Praying for you, praying, praying, praying hands emoji, you know, on the text. And sometimes it, it, it's just something we've become so accustomed to saying, but we don't actually do it. So how would you encourage us to sink into actual prayer, actual intercession, engaging the information that we have and turning that into prayer? Yeah, that's a really important question. And I, I totally agree that I think we all we all do that thing of saying I, I'm praying. And, and actually, um, I think that has value in, 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 in a sense, maybe sending up a, a prayer as we say it, um, but, but it's not, uh, not quite the same as concerted uh, prayer. So I would say I would encourage people as I said earlier, not to try to take on the whole world, but to yeah. find out what your burden is and to dedicate uh, regular prayer uh, to that, whether it's a country, an issue, a, a person. Um, CSW can provide resources to help you do that. So CSW produces a, a prayer diary and regular prayer emails uh, that can help inform uh, uh, your prayers. Um, and there are, um, uh, from time to time, specific prayer events. So, for example, there's an International Day of Prayer for uh, the Persecuted Church. Um, there's a Global Day of Prayer for Burma. Uh, there are other prayer days uh, which uh, CSW helps to organize. Um, and, of course, uh, before the pandemic, I, I think we didn't do so much online, but suddenly we discovered Zoom and, and all these things that already existed, but we came to use them during COVID. And so uh, there are plenty of online events that can uh, inform and mobilize people mm. to to pray. You know, I love your action point to find your burden. That just, that strikes me. And it reminds me of this story in the gospels that Jesus tells of, of the good Samaritan, the parable of the good Samaritan. So there's this guy beaten bloody on the side of the road and a priest and the Levites see him, but they walk by. And I think one of the things that we focus on is the action that the Good Samaritan takes to actually help this man, to bandage him, to put him on his donkey, take him to an inn, take care of him, which is true. But there's a piece in which I think, I believe that the entire story hinges on this phrase that we can just read past. And it says, when he saw the man, he had compassion on him. Now, the word compassion um, in Greek, splanchnizomai literally is being moved from his bowels, from his inside. It's it's the splankna are your guts, and so he was moved deeply 
That and and that's the hinge. When he was moved, when he saw the man and was filled with compassion, something inside him rose up and was like, I have to help. I have to do something. And 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 it's easy to see this story as a story of activism. But I see it as a story of a welling up of compassion that leads to activism. And so what you're saying about finding your burden, the reality is there are so many issues. And this is where we get overwhelmed. I think this is where we get stuck. There's so much. And it's like, I can't do it all. Of course, we can't. God sees it all. And that's what makes him God, the compassionate one. He feels and suffers with experiencing that. And I believe he shares with us a piece of that burden for particular areas, parts of the world, situations. Some people are deeply passionate about the sex trafficking industry. Some people are deeply passionate about homelessness and poverty. And there's just a range. There's so much. It's literally infinite, the number of things that you could care about. But we can't feel that level of gut level compassion for everything. And so how do we, you know, how do we find that? And I think we need to learn to, as you're saying, find our, find our burden, find our passion, because then that moves us into action. So you, you talked about education and then that leads into prayer and that leads in then to action. And so what, what are some action steps, some advocacy steps that we can take as we consider Asia, the region and we consider the issues that are there and are happening right now. Yeah, I think there are as several things. I mean, in general terms, I would say that um, one of the, uh, and this can apply to, to any of the issues, um, one of the most important advocacy tools for us uh, besides prayer, and prayer is the most important advocacy uh, tool, if you like, um, but one of the most important other ones is um, is writing to your elected representatives. Mm. So if you're in the U.S., you know, writing to your congressman, your senator. Um, uh, and uh, we have a campaign uh, that we're uh, uh, that is underway on um, on Burma, uh, which is to uh, encourage uh, governments around the world uh, to uh, sanction and to to stop uh, providing. Um, aviation fuel to the military in Burma, because basically the military since the coup on the 1st of February 2021, uh, two, two years ago, uh, has been bombing almost every day uh, uh, hundreds of villages throughout the country. Many of the people in the, the villages that are being bombed are Christians. Um, uh, many, many churches have been destroyed or, or damaged. Uh, and we believe, along with other campaign groups that are asking for the same, we, we believe that if we could cut uh, or at least significantly reduce the uh, aviation fuel that allows the military to mm. fly their, their planes, uh, we could uh, save lives. Um, linked to that, we're also uh, uh, calling for a global arms embargo on the military in Burma. Uh, countries have, a lot of countries have already um, uh, agreed to that, but it's a question of enforcing it and making sure uh, more countries uh, join it. So there's a, a couple of specific things and, and uh, listeners can get more information about that uh, from the websites. Um, it's also worth mentioning that there are some key anniversaries uh, coming up um, in the in the next few months. Um, in June and July, for example, at the 4th of June is the anniversary of the Tiananmen uh, massacre in, in China. 
I think it's really important we don't forget that. It was a long time ago now, 1989, but we should keep remembering that. And I'm sure there will be campaigns and vigils around that. Um, similarly, the anniversary of the handover of Hong Kong on the 1st of July, uh, and Hong Kong has changed so much since that handover. China has totally broken its promises uh, to the people of Hong Kong. So watch out for events and campaigns around those anniversaries. That's great. Those are really clear, actionable things. Thank you for that. I realize as you were talking, I think I, I messed up the website for the UK. Uh, it's csw.org.uk. That's right. I think I switched yeah. the UK and in, in the US, cswusa.org. And those, again, those are ways you can find um, links to taking action, petitions, writing. You can even write to people who are imprisoned and are, are struggling for their faith. There's just ways, prayer. Uh, so many things are there, again, to find your burden, uh, to lean into that through prayer and to, to take action. So, Ben, as we wrap up here, I'm always curious, is there a particular scripture that you would say guides your advocacy that's sort of like a motor in you that moves you to do what you do? Uh, yes, de definitely. I mean, there are several, but I think um, my key uh, motivating uh, scripture uh, comes from Isaiah uh, chapter 58, verses 6 to 12. Uh, and it, I'm paraphrasing slightly here, but it basically says um, uh, that it is not this the type of fasting that you should choose uh, to loosen the chains of injustice uh, and set the oppressed uh, free. And I believe that sums up my uh, my calling, my vo vocation. Mm, you know what I hear in that, and I love the prophets because they challenge our tendency towards a religious ritualism that's not actually lived out and does not actually result in justice and mercy, which Jesus called the weightier matters of the law, that we can get so consumed with doing the, the, the rituals which have their place and their purpose. But if they're not leading us towards action, towards advocacy, towards uh, the repair of the world in Jesus' name, then, you know, the prophets would call that out. And that's what they're talking about fasting, right? It's not just a day of bowing your head and not eating. It's, it's, it's for the purpose of engaging the world. It's for the purpose of seeing the injustice and actually taking steps. And man, if the people of God could capture that heartbeat um, that lives in you, that lives in the prophets, and um, what a what a change, what an impact, you know, when we find our burden, what we what we're concerned for, asking God, and you know, I, I want to ask you to lead us in prayer, not only for Forbes issues in Asia, but you know, in this conversation, I think my big takeaway is what you said about finding your burden, and if you would also pray that those listening could find their burden. Maybe some are really clear. Maybe some have it. And it's like, man, this is, and it's not, maybe not just one thing, but this moves me. This motivates me. Mm -hmm. This, this is something that I'm concerned about, but maybe a lot of people out there haven't and, and maybe haven't been invited into that or haven't prayed about it or haven't really thought about it. And, and sometimes, again, as I mentioned, we get paralyzed by the amount of information and all that's coming at us. And, and, and it's like, ah, oh, just overload. But when we can go deeper and when we can say, man, ah, this moves me, this breaks my heart and I want to take steps, I would just love for you to pray for us, even now those listening, 
can get in touch with that. I, you know, when you were talking about when Baroness Cox spoke at that event, it seems to me like you started to find your passion. And then, you know, as Paul told Timothy to fan into flame that, that gift. Right. And, and so then, you know, you took action and it just led from one thing to the next. And I just, that's, that's really what this is about. The goal of this podcast is to help people find their passion, to take some action and just to see how God will open doors there and to use our lives in different ways to make that possible. Mm. Absolutely. I'd, I'd be delighted to, to pray for, for all of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I firstly thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, thank you for this podcast. Uh, thank you for Darren and for our conversation. And thank you for each uh, and every person that is listening to this. And Lord, we pray firstly for people throughout the continent of Asia in all its diversity uh, who are suffering for their beliefs at this time. We pray for those who may be in a prison camp in North Korea, uh, in a jail in, in China, people whose churches or uh, places of worship in Burma or Indonesia uh, or India or Pakistan may have been bombed or destroyed. Uh, we pray for for women uh, who are uh, suffering appalling uh, sexual violence, mm -hmm. who are trafficked uh, or who are bereaved. We pray for children who have lost parents and are refugees or, or are displaced uh, in the jungles. And we just pray that you would intervene in these situations and that people in those situations would know your presence and your comfort. But we pray too for uh, everybody who is listening to this podcast right now, for those who already have a clear sense of what their burden is, we pray that you would uh, indeed fan it into flame and uh, empower uh, each person to uh, pursue the cause that you put on their heart through prayer and through action. And for those who who have compassion, who have a heart, but who don't quite know, uh, they look at the world and, and all the so many issues and they don't quite know where to start, uh, we pray that you would speak to them uh, and put the burden that you have for them on on their heart very clearly whether it's through uh, them meeting somebody from a particular country uh, reading a book or an article about a particular situation uh, whether it's through uh, a dream as you uh, have sometimes done throughout history um, a conversation or whatever it might be, we just pray that you uh, would, uh, for those who don't quite know yet, that you would put a burden on their hearts and fan it into flame so that each of us can do what we're called to do. Uh, there's a, an expression I've heard that says we cannot do everything, but we must not do nothing. Mm. And I pray that for each of us, we would know what that uh, something uh, is. 
And so again, I give you thanks for this time. And I pray for your blessing on uh, everybody who is listening to this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ben, thank you so much. It's been so great having this conversation with you, your heart, your passion, your dedication, and the way that you resource the church and the world to understand what's going on. It's so valuable. So thank you for being you. Thank you for your investment. Thanks for joining us on this conversation to help us uh, at least begin the process of understanding uh, the work that CSW is doing in Asia. And uh, so grateful for that. It's a great, great pleasure and privilege. Thank you so much for, for having me and uh, great, great to have this discussion. Thanks, Ben. Thanks so much for joining today. We invite you to stand with us on behalf of those facing injustice because of their religion or belief. Go to our website, cswusa.org, and learn how you can make a difference for those suffering for their faith. Your voice matters. Use it.